respond to the supernatural. I love what uh, the Christian rock band DC Talk does with the song Supernatural. Right at the end, Michael Tate whispers after they've been talking about the supernatural. He says, some things are hard to explain. And that's part of what the supernatural is. It's God working in the natural order of this planet, but showing his super power, supernatural, divine authority and power over the world and every situation in which he decides to move. And when people of God have faith and reliance and dependence and trust that God will move, that Christ will be glorified, that the Holy Spirit will have dominion as he broods over the church, then the supernatural becomes not just commonplace, but it becomes special. The supernatural is an everyday experience for you and for me as we, as we do what Jesus told us to do in John chapter 14, verses 1, and then in a little bit, verse 12. So don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Let's just stop there a minute. Because uh, if I asked you how many people here believe in God, maybe you could quote the the Apostles' Creed and everything that follows with, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. One thing that you'll find as, as you live your life, as we live our lives believing in God, that other people will also say, well, I believe in God. I believe in God. It might be the God seated at the end of the podium, end of the platform that that has a Hindu background or a Buddhist background or a new spirituality background or a, a, an Islam background. But here in the center of this platform, here in the center that, that lives in the shadow of the cross, we believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We believe in the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. We believe. We believe. We rely. We trust. We depend. And that's what Jesus was saying. Do that with God and the apostles knew that. They lived their whole lives saying, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Go and, and believe in God and let him lead you and lead you even to a level of crazy faith. Crazy faith is not irrational. It's not irresponsible. It's not reckless. It's not out of the order of God. It's right in the middle of the order of God. Let me remind you of the story within the story of David and Goliath. Everyone, everyone even, even a person who's never read the Bible knows about David Goliath. You've got the 18th ranked team coming into the college football final against the number one ranked team, and it's Goliath against David. Will David be able to win this college championship after it's been seated 18th or something like that? And that's what Saul and David were talking about. David said, I will go out and fight this man. And, and Saul, in his rational thinking, said, I'm going to protect you 
You are too young. You're too small. This man is a brutal man of war. You can't beat him. And David proceeds to explain the story within the story, the crazy faith that he had started to jog along in his life. He said to Saul, I keep my father's sheep. And when a lion comes and steals a sheep, I say, oh, that's terrible. I just lost a sheep. No, you know what he did? He said, I chase after the sheep. I chase after the lion that's carrying my sheep. I catch up to him. I smack the lion on the head and pull the sheep out of the lion's mouth. Now let's take this story from the lion's point of view. He's been romping along with a big, juicy sheep in his mouth. And he's used to someone running 30 or 40 yards away. And maybe he has a spear, or maybe the shepherd has a rod. And the lion is thinking, I've got lunch for the whole family. This is so good. And he's starting to chew on the sheep as he runs away. What this lion has never experienced before is David not running 40 yards along with the lion, but running right at him. And I can just picture the lion saying to the god of all lions, maybe he named it some silly title like Lion King or something like that. Reaching out, putting his head back with his sheep in the mouth and saying, I'm not only eating sheep, I'm eating a man today. This is so great, the lion would think. So David runs right up to the lion, smacks the lion in the face. With the lion's shock, he just opens his mouth. He pulls the sheep out. The lion gets mad at that. Can you imagine? The lion gets mad and starts to rise up against David. David takes his rod after he grabs the mane of the lion and smacks him to death with the rod. And he also did that with bears, not tiny little cuddly bears. He did that with real bears who stole real sheep. That's crazy faith. That's other shepherds watching David run across the plateau after a lion say, you're nuts, David. But David had a crazy faith rooted in the fact that he trusted, relied, depended, and believed in the one and only God, and he was responsible for that sheep. And so this crazy faith to go after a lion, defeat the lion, save the the sheep is really the story. The next time you want to talk about David and Goliath, please insert this. Because this is, this is a bigger story than him beating up a nine-foot-tall guy, which is great. But here's his, here's his foundation. He said, I believe in the God who protected me from the paws of the lion and the bear. So why would I not believe he would allow me to win the victory over Goliath? I'm in. I have crazy faith that's connected to a supernatural God that says that any day that I decide to rely, trust, depend, believe, have faith in the God of Almighty, then 
Anything is possible. And Jesus echoes that. Jesus echoes that the night where the disciples were falling down in their hearts. And he gave them this word. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. And then believe also in me. When Jesus made that declarative statement, he changed the world of religion for all time. He said, you are not only worshiping and trusting and believing and relying and depending on God Almighty, you are believing and depending and relying on me. And so the church is handed this wonderful responsibility of helping people not only believe in God, the God of the scriptures, but to believe in Jesus. In the culture that we have, Jesus doesn't seem to have a voice, but the ones who live for the Lord Jesus and believe on him and trust in him, we have a voice. We have his words. We have his actions. We have the scriptures that, that helped us understand doctrinally who this Jesus was. So from, from the beginning of the New Testament to the very end, we see this revelation of why we should believe in Jesus. As much as we believe in God and believe in the Holy Spirit, believe in the three who are one. And watch what happens when things begin to happen that we might whisper to somebody. Sometimes you just can't explain what just happened. Many years ago, I was pastoring my first church in the suburbs of Willow Grove, Pennsylvania, just north of uh, Philadelphia. I, I had taken a vacation down in Florida, and uh, about two days into the vacation, my delegate from the church called and said, you've got to come home. Sandy, who was a, uh, uh, a first-year student at Pennsylvania University, was, uh, was experiencing headaches during her first year, you know, the first few weeks, headaches, headaches, and she ignored it, took aspirin, but then there came this terrible night where she just collapsed, and, and the brain bleed just exploded in her brain, and they rushed her to a very good hospital, hospital and, and a, uh, a surgeon was able to save her life, and the surgeon came out and talked to Brooks and Alice and the family and said, we saved Sandy's life. But there'll have to be another surgery because it's such a mess in there. We have a lot to clean up. Sandy has quite a path ahead of her. So she's in intensive care and uh, some of the elders of the church and board members and I went and went into the ICU and, and did the only thing we knew to do. Just anoint her with oil and pray a prayer of faith. And Sandy eventually got out of ICU and into regular. And then uh, about two weeks after this experience, the surgeon called the family and they thought he's just going to talk about, all right, here's the next surgery and that's, that's what's going to happen with Sandy. He, uh, he kind of paused and cleared his throat and he said, uh, I want to tell you one thing. 
clearly, Sandy has received help from somewhere else. Now, a a good, brilliant surgeon who may not have a connection with Almighty God, that's his best attempt at a miracle. I think that's a pretty good one. Clearly, Sandy has found help from somewhere else. We do not have to clean anything up. It's all been cleared up. Sometimes it's just hard to explain the supernatural. But when a group of Christians gather together in the name of Jesus, and who knows? Who knows if this will be the time when the supernatural power of God will break through? We never really know. We just walk on the prompts and the leadings of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, believe also in me. And on that day, he took center stage, whatever the Hindus, Buddhists, new spirituality, Islam has to say about their leaders and their sacred word and their destination, all all go faint. When, when you put Jesus in the middle saying, I am the visible expression of the invisible God, you trust me, you believe me, you rely on me, you depend on me, boys. It's not only the Father, now you have the Son, and in 50 days, you'll have the Holy Spirit of God empowering your life. And you'll change the world. The supernatural, the crazy faith happened in the Old Testament. Daniel walked down into a lion's den and the lions were were closed up for the whole night. Three Hebrew youths said, I will not bow in front of this, this image of a King who's a turkey head, I will not do that. The Hebrew there is a little unclear, but I really do think he said turkey head. (laughs) I will not bow down to a turkey head, which made the king a little bit more mad, said, pitch the fire a little higher. Nobody calls the king of Babylon a a turkey head. So, So crazy faith has been exhibited throughout the scriptures. Crazy faith is a person not being even able to express. Someone like Wilberforce, William Wilberforce, who stood before Parliament and risked everything in his life to declare slavery is not moral, slavery slavery is no longer legal. You must, you must vote to stop slavery in Great Britain and everywhere where Great Britain has power. The scandal, the scorn, what he lost, but he was prompted to do this crazy faith thing. And the whole world was changed. Finally, the United States caught on when they saw what what their friends over in Great Britain were willing to do. Crazy faith is everywhere throughout the body of Christ. And we may, on a Sunday morning, think, I'm not a direct object of the supernatural like you're describing. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. 
I'm a direct object of the supernatural power, the same power, hear this, the same power that raised Jesus Christ, the same spirit and the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. If that spirit lives in you, it will quicken your mortal body. So at Salvation Day, you and I were quickened, and the quickening, the new life, the new uh, uh, eyes, the new lips to speak the word of God has never stopped in your life and in mine. When we take Jesus seriously and move on from even the declaration of trust in him to his declaration that greater things, if you believe in me, you will do as I have done. Even greater things will you do. And of course, we say, no, I haven't raised the dead, haven't healed a leper, haven't multiplied any meal any time ever. But the, the truth is that we've done greater things just because every person that's added to the body of Christ is one more person filled with the grace and truth and love that's found only in Jesus. And what you've done and I've done in our good works that have been ordained before us also translate into great works. And every once in a while, you and I will experience the supernatural ourselves. Can I tell you a little story about what happened to me? A year ago, February, I'm driving from Rochester, New York, up Route 60, I've passed Casadega, and I'm six, seven miles from home. It's dark. All the way from Fredonia to this very point, a truck has been following me. He's got his bright lights on. I'm not happy with this man in the truck, if it's a man. I want him to stop. I want him to just kind of spin around. I want him to turn his lights off. So a car in the northbound lane is now, southbound lane, no, northbound, coming towards Fredonia, is, is blinking its lights, flashing its lights. At, and I, I was sure it's flashing his lights at the truck that had his high beams on. So I, I'm looking at that in my rearview mirror, and then I turn and see why the man or whoever was in the car was blinking, flashing his lights furiously because there were two huge deer in the southbound lane and the northbound lane. I'm coming south and I'm seconds away from crashing into this very large deer. I'm honking, I'm braking, and I'm about to hit this deer full force about 40 miles an hour because I was going about 60 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, there was this lightning-like flash at the left side of my bumper that flashed directly into the face of the deer in my lane. He turned his head at that flash and moved over. And I missed the deer, not because of my high beams, but because of this flash. And now you're thinking, this man is crazy. But it, 
I was overwhelmed by the fact that I didn't hit him. I said, I said out loud, I didn't hit him. And I was overwhelmed by this sense of God saying, I did that. That flash of lightning right in the face of that deer spared me whatever God knew it would spare in my life. Now, you need to know that that flash that night, that angel of the Lord or that move of God to not hit a deer was not an eternal pass on never hitting a deer. But that night, for whatever reason God had in mind, that deer moved because God said, move. And he did. So sometimes the supernatural is hard to explain. But Jesus says that the church of Jesus Christ and all of its disciples are lined up with this not only good works, but greater works. The good works, the Sermon on the Mount says, are, are, are expressed in our lives so that men may see our good works and give praise to God who is above. That's the good works. The greater things are meant The supernatural is meant to stop a soul in its tracks. For somebody to yell from the outside, David, stop. For the king of of a foreign empire to pray all night that Daniel wasn't really killed in that lion den. And when he found out that Daniel was not killed in that lion den, he didn't just praise God, he gave himself over to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So when a human being is, by faith and dependence and reliance, willing to do good works in the name of Jesus Christ, people pay attention. But when the greater things that Jesus did begin to start happening. When a life is transformed because you and I share the gospel, when Saul of Tarsus is stopped dead in his tracks with a lightning flash from heaven and a voice that says, why are you persecuting me? Get up and obey what I have for you. And the whole world changes. So, Jesus here in this day of faith introduction for you and for me is telling us that I, I'm going to bless your good works. Bemis Point United Methodist Church, you're going to serve, you're going to lead, you're going to rejoice in Jesus, you're going to use your spiritual gifts, and it's going to be, it's going to, we're going to be a bright light here as you have been. Even brighter may it be so. But there will be moments. There will be moments when the good works will become great works and people's lives will be touched in a way that only the supernatural power of God can explain what that is.
And you and I are in when we just follow John chapter 14, verse 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You might tend to think that in this day and age of a, of a deadly virus and, and a rampaging amount of voices rising up in every city, on every station, and there's all kinds of things being declared, being stated, this will change, this must change, you must do this, and your heads may be rolling around on top of your neck. You don't know what to hear anymore, you don't know what to believe, but somewhere in the middle of your soul is this declarative statement that the disciples needed this word. Their hearts were falling apart. And the disciples heard this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. No matter what is happening in this world, disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Rely on him. Trust him. Depend on him. Have faith in him and do the exact same level of faith, reliance, dependence on me. And watch what we do. In you, through you, and for you. Watch what we do in these days ahead. Because you and I connect with a crazy faith that's not irrational, that's not unconstitutional in the covenants of God. But it's a touch of the supernatural that goes beyond good works to the greater things that God has planned for those who trust and believe in him. We unite in faith, reliance, dependence, and trust on the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Watch what he does with your spiritual gifts, your good works, and our commitment to be open to a supernatural move of God, where he plans it, when he sets it, for whom he does it. Those kind of things, we don't have a lot of prior knowledge, but we have a prior faith that simply declares, I believe, rely, depend, and trust on Jesus and Jesus' name. Because every other name you hear floating around in the culture and in the religious places and in the cults of the world, every other name that's being honored and lifted up and saying, this name will change. There's only one name as high as the name of Jesus, and that's his name. Do not let your heart be thwarted by anybody else's name in the whole world. Nobody has a name and the power to back it up like Jesus. There's an old Western starring Walter Brennan, The Guns of Will Sonnet. Walter Brennan was the grandfather, and he had his grandson, and they were searching the West for the father of the grandson, Walter Brennan. Cranky old man, just kind of talk like this all the day. That's kind of a Don Knotts and Walter Brennan at the same time. And if you don't know who Don Knotts is, you haven't really lost out much in life. But anyway, so this old grandpa-like guy has a reputation for being the fastest gun in the West. 
And of course, all these young bucks in the West are thinking, this old guy on top of a horse can't take me. Well, as the Westerns go on and the series goes on, yes, it's true. Will Sonnet can, can take anybody with a gun. And, uh, and when he says that, he has a catch line, a catchphrase. He says, I am the fastest gun in the West. No brag, just fact. And when Jesus, our Lord, says, like the, the guy in the movie, um, Liam Neeson, who's uh, going after his daughter, uh, who's been kidnapped, taken is the name of the movie. And he's on the phone with the kidnapper who took his daughter. He says, I don't know who you are. If you want money, I don't have any. But being a CIA agent, I have a particular set of skills. If you let my daughter go now, I won't come after you. That'll be the end of it. But if you don't let her go, I will find you. And I will kill you. And the terrorist, the kidnapper, says, good luck. Well, that, he followed up on that. He did find him. And he did take out about 4,000 people in the movie. <laughs> That's quite a body count, but at any rate. Those kind of declarative statements. This is what I'll do. This is what I can do. I'm faster, or I have a particular set of skills. And the church must listen to Jesus. I am the Son of God, and I have a particular set of skills. And if you believe me, through you, people will be saved. Hearts will be set free. The church will arise and speak grace and truth to a culture that has no real definition of God or Jesus anymore. We'll tell the truth. We'll live out the grace. We'll see the mercy of God. And Jesus' particular set of skills will have no answer from the culture, from the world of the demons, from the lust of the flesh, from the pride of life. He's going after all the world could offer, all the flesh can present, and all the devil can do. He's going after all of that, and he's seeking to save that which is lost. And he's going to use me, and he's going to use you, and he's going to use this church among many, many other churches in this land because we wake up every morning and in our solitary moments of our heart, we say, I am not letting my heart be troubled. Today, this very day, I believe, rely, depend, and trust God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I will do good works for him and through him and I will do greater things in cooperation with the supernatural move of God. 
And all, is the, all that he's asking is, Dave, are you in? Bemis, are you in? Amen. Let's pray together. So we know that the words of Jesus Christ is not bragging. He's just telling the factual truth that we can depend on him. Whenever our hearts, whenever the heart of a nation is troubled, can depend, rely, believe, trust in this one who will incite a crazy faith that's not reckless, that's not irresponsible, but is responding to the supernatural power of Almighty God, His Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let that be so for me, for each one seated here, for each one hearing this online. And we pray, Father, in your name, in your Son's name, in the Holy Spirit's name, that you would be glorified in these seasons ahead. And we give, we give so much thanks to you for what you're going to do and who you are going to be in this church now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen.